Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode one of the Combat Chain podcast. I am your host, uh, Adam Philipchuk, alongside uh, Andrew uh, Pidleski. And uh, yeah, how's uh, how's it going today, Andrew? Good, man. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Yeah? Should we get started off with some introductions? Talk yeah. about how we even arrived at Flesh and Blood? Yeah, man. Why don't you, uh, why don't you uh, start off, tell us a little bit about yourself. Perfect. Thanks, buddy. So... I've been playing strategy games as long as I can remember. Like, I remember being five years old and my parents, my uncle, teaching me how to play the original StarCraft and StarCraft Brood War. And I'm just like this little kid trying to climb the ladder and rank up, just playing Zerg every day of my life. And from there, I started playing like Warcraft 3, every RTS on the planet, playing tons of StarCraft 2, like trying to be the best like no one ever was. And then I found Magic the Gathering and I started like playing cards every day like just grinding playing like seven events a week it was nuts started for standard went into modern played legacy commander every format until we got to a pretty competitive point i uh started flying around to some different grand prix i cashed grand prix calgary 2019 just been playing magic forever and then my friend told me about flesh and blood which is just so much more fun than magic so i just hopped into that like head first been playing so much and that's where I met Adam, and we've just been grinding since then. Yeah, yeah, you've been yeah, you've been playing with us since uh, August now, I think. Yeah, uh, I've just been playing two months or like maybe nine nine weeks so far. And I mean, like since then, you've got two RTN top eights under yep, your belt. Top, you've top eighted two RTNs in my first month of playing. Managed to like just within a couple months, you managed to sneak in get the the qualification for Canadian nationals. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, true. I have to thank you for that, to be honest, though. Like, I started playing, like, my first or second night. You were there to just, like, teach me, lend cards. I saw you were, like, rank 5 in Canada on 90-day XP. I was like, oh, my God, this guy's so good. <laughs> You're just teaching me, lent, giving me cards, giving me promos for free. Yeah, I, and I mean, there, there's there's a huge element for me for, like, I ever since I got into this game, I've just wanted to see it grow, and uh, it's, it's just such a phenomenal game that, like... Um, I want to see it succeed. So, and I, I guess uh, to that segue into a little bit about myself here. Uh, it's funny, unlike Andrew, I I don't necessarily have the same huge background in, in, in gaming that he does. Uh, I definitely, I mean, I played video games growing up and stuff, but I actually was uh, quite into music. And I thought I was, uh, oh, my whole life, I had this dream that I was going to make it as a rock star. It was hilarious. Parents are like, no, you got to like have a good foundation, get a good job first. And, uh, but, uh, I ended up actually at the, I played Magic on and off since about 2015. I think a lot of people who are, uh, who are found flesh and blood, they, uh, they come with a magic, ba magic background. I actually once heard this joke that, uh, we should just call flesh and blood players, ex magic players. Uh, but I, uh, on and off since 2015, uh, I, uh, actually at the beginning of the pandemic, that's when I, uh, a buddy got me back into magic uh, quite heavily and I started jamming arena and it was the, the competitive scene that I found really appealing and uh, I remember when uh, f uh, Channel Fireball announced their merger with uh, uh, with LSS. Uh, that was when I first heard about Flesh and Blood, and I was like, "What the heck is this? Like, we've got Magic. Why do we need another game?" And uh, just through osmosis, I started to learn a little bit more about the game, a little bit more about the game. Um, you know, it was uh, it was initially it was a 
a financial interest. I was like, oh, people are really buying into this. Like, I should probably know a little bit more about this. And uh, picked up a box of Welcome to Wraith uh, when the we got Unlimited here in Canada in November uh, last year. And uh, it just kind of spiraled from there. Actually, it was crazy. I pulled a, I pulled a heart in my first box. Nice. And uh, I was like, holy, like, this is... That just that was incredible yeah, uh now you're hooked <laughs> and that, yeah and then i started playing casually with the girlfriend uh when they announced skirmish season one back in february online i was like oh i gotta get myself a webcam and i uh did a little bit of research sleeved up uh ira base because i think the the blitz calling had just happened right before that so everybody was high on ira and uh i actually managed to take out like uh totally take out my first skirmish and I was like, holy, like I must, there, there's something here. And I, I met uh, so many people on Discord. That was when I found Discord uh, and uh, it just kind of spiraled from there. I, uh, since then I've managed to play my way up to 39 on the global leaderboard. Um, going to Nats here with, uh, with Andrew. There's a, a few of us, uh, well, actually, obviously there's a, a bunch of Canadians going to Canadian Nats, but we've got, uh, I think four of us from Edmonton here going yeah and locally traveling with three of you guys yeah and then, so excited yeah now Canadian Nats is going to be a good time and uh which actually uh, brings us into um yeah it's uh national seasons just just kicked off yeah we, uh, just now we've got a lot to think about now that we've paid for our planes paid for our hotels yeah. so we're paying attention to all the pro quests around the world we just had dallas cincinnati dallas and cincinnati yeah, yeah. and then uk yeah. nationals this weekend yeah there's lots of cc in Con- there congrats to to matthew falker falker fox i'm not sure uh, pronunciation on the last name there but yeah, took down the event with Briar. He was like fifteen and zero, I think. Yeah, fifteen and zero. That's uh, yeah. that's, that's, like that's super impressive. Yeah. Um, he as well is a big Magic background I hear. Yeah, yeah, that's what I hear as well. We actually we uh, a couple of the guys we uh, test with um, test with uh, Matt as well. So uh, it sounds like Matt was working pretty hard for that win. Um, what do you? I guess based off of. We're kind of getting, I mean, I, I think uh, Orlando this coming weekend is going to be the, the big, yeah, big that'll, telltale that'll sign. Yeah, tell us a lot about the meta for sure. But uh, what do you what do you think about the meta so far um, coming out of, I guess, yeah, the two pro quests and the UK Nats now? It looks really open, to be honest. It yeah. seems really cool. It seems like a really healthy format. Like previously, I think things were skewed a little bit more towards chain, especially locally. All the events I was showing up to, it felt like half the room was just chain events. Yep. At both the RTNs I played. Um, but coming off that seeds ban, every event has like quite a big pie chart where things are just really open. Like we're seeing a little bit more like Bravos and Lexis. Yeah. But then it's like almost every hero is showing up. Yeah. And I mean, Bravo pre the chain ban. Bravo was still around. Prism was still around. Like, I mean, the meta then was, for the most part, Bravo, Katsu, Prism, Chain, and mm-hmm. we're seeing some dash. Uh, but I really think Bravo could have been the top of that that meta. The matchup was just so close where Chain could eke it out on, like, the last couple turns by building an Eclipse and making that Shadowverser token pretty easily. I think that's part of what Chain did yeah. well, was not only did he, like... He went wide right off the bat, which is yeah. harder for Bravo to block, but he went wide and tall at the end. Like, yeah. it, it was just... It just came end- down to those last couple turns, 
and it was just that that easy eclipse that they could build off of all the seeds that they pitched in the yeah. early game that would just finish that game. And so now without all the seeds, chains are having a little bit of a harder time casting that eclipse. Yeah. And I think that's given Bravo a little bit edge. That might be why we're seeing so much more Bravo. Yeah, yeah. People have find re- success in these events. There's room to play Bravo now, and there's mm-hmm. there's room to play those slower those slower heroes, slightly slower heroes. I mean, aggro is still seems to be somewhat prevalent and Briar seems to have be able to play well into that, uh, that aggro strategy as well. But um, I, I definitely feel like the meta has slowed down a little bit since. Uh, yeah. Control decks are like a little more viable now. They're finding a bunch of success and people, yeah. it was really cool seeing like, like even UK nationals, every hero was there except for Kano. I, was there no there was no kano at the not UK a single Nationals. kano at no, uk nats i thought there was one no oh, you're right there wasn't a yeah, single that's one that's the one hero that's missing yeah which actually looking at the the turnout for um for uk i mean what was top eight was yo well, i did the math i think there was 86 players and at the high end of that we had 15 bravos 13 briars 11 katsus 9 prism 8 lexi Dash and Dorinthia at seven, and then everything else was just kind of between one, two, three, and four. Um, and then coming down to the top eight, it ended up just being four Briar, two Katsu, one Viscerai, and one Bravo. Which, yeah, I'll be honest, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm not surprised about the Bravo turnout. I'm not surprised about the Briar turnout. Katsu makes sense. I would have actually expected to see more Prism. I thought there'd be more Prism, and I'm also intrigued that out of nine Prisms none of them made it into the top eight i don't even know if any of them made it into the top 24 uh, i feel like prisms had a tough time this event yeah i mean i think part of what does prism a disservice uh really is when when you make the right sideboard call when you like when you do everything right for prism prism is near unbeatable but there's just so many decisions that you can make and there's so many I believe Prism's the hardest deck to play, other than maybe Kano. And some of these Prism lists we're seeing can sideboard like five ways. Like you can come yeah. out as an aggro deck, a mid-range deck, a control deck. You can play like an all auras and shields type strategy. Yeah. And that's kind of a double-edged sword because when your list is trying to do like five things at once, sometimes you're drawing the wrong cards at the wrong time. Yeah, very much so. Um, and I think that's where Prism is both at an advantage and a disadvantage yeah it can absolutely reward like the best player in the room yeah because having if we, all of those decisions all those instants that you can play at any time because if we go back to look at say vegas um even though i don't think vegas as meta is relevant anymore because of the seeds banning um you can you, you say you can look at like tyler Horsepool's list that list was very much built to beat chain yeah and that that's fine it worked for him uh i and like a great player i commend i commend his achievement but he that, that was just that was a great meta call and that's part of what got him all the way there and that's where we see prism excel and like i said if you make the right decisions with prism you will be successful but there's there's so many times where you can sit down with an opponent and not know even though they they present their hero you're not going to know what to sideboard for like if you see Oh, let's say Viscerai is a great example. Viscerai can be so, just like Prism, is so... Um, yeah, is he playing one-turn kill? Yeah. Is he playing mid-range? Is he like just a fast, low-to-the-ground aggro deck? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, that that right there makes it so hard for Prism. Um, 
And I, I think if somebody wants to find success on Prism, it's really going to come down to having having a good hedge board, being able to, for those of you who don't know what I mean by hedge board, um, I guess any, and anybody coming from a magic background where there's, um, there, there still is sideboarding in flesh and blood, but it's different in, in, in flesh and blood. You, you choose before you actually see what your opponent is playing with. So you really have to make an educated guess. And yeah, the concept of a hedge board is like, you know, do I think they're controlled? Do I think they're aggro? Am I just gambling and taking a risk? So maybe I'm just boarding in half and half. I just bring in a couple of the cards that are good for control, a couple of the cards that are good for aggro, and I hope to just see the right things at the right time and make yeah. that educated guess. Because if I just slam in like the whole 15 cards that I want for the full control matchup, and then they come out of the gates as an aggro deck, it's going to be like, oops, that's scary. That's one thing that was really difficult for me coming from a magic background with having like a really good knowledge of the metagame. After game one, I know exactly what their list looks like, and so sideboarding becomes very easy. I just have a plan. Now, I roll up to a flesh and blood event, I just sit down, they reveal their hero. Like Adam said, I don't know if this is aggro, control, mid-range, so it makes... There's some finesse to sideboarding in this yeah, game, for sure. very much so. And like, and it, and it, it depends on the hero as well, because yeah, some some hero... Like, if I, if I see chain, I, I you know what you're in for. Yep. Yeah, 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 there's... I mean, yep. Katsu's super variable. Um, Prism's all over the place. Uh, Dash can do a bunch of things. Um, Lexi, who seems to be taking up a big chunk of the meta right now, because um, what I'm seeing, yeah, 9.3% of the players played uh, Lexi at UK. And same thing with Lexi. That can be lightning fast. That can be ice. Um, I don't think there's much merit to... Um, to hybrid Lexi right now, I, I, I think it, it, with game plan, like, I mean, maybe you could have a sideboard plan where you, um, you sideboard for ice control Lexi versus, um, lightning Lexi. But I think for the most part, uh, either sideboarding either, or like diluting your deck either way with that one is, is, is yeah. just putting you at a disadvantage. But the point being that, there are so many heroes out there right now that really can present different game plans and can present um, different, yeah, just different ways of attacking just the meta. Just surprise you. Man, the other day against a secret little player sitting over here, I was playing against a Kano, pull out all of my Null Rune equipment, and then the mid-game he just comes in with a nourishing emptiness, with like an energy po strength potion, a pummel. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do against that? Yeah. It takes so much damage. They're drawing five cards. Yeah, no, I'm actually, yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, on the, on the side, yeah, I've got this spicy little uh, Kano Blitz deck that I'm trying out right now. Yeah, that, um, I'll get you back for that one. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. Yeah. We shall see. I mean, on the flip side, though, you're like nearly, what, undefeated with... Uh, chain in our past few uh armories just yeah i've been i've been tinkering since the seeds ban i think i found out something that works pretty well i don't think i've dropped a, a cc game since the ban happened yeah that's a the, on the local scene at least so yeah. Yeah. but um but at the same time i'm trying a bunch of different prism things just sleeved up dorinthia yeah katsu's been pretty fun Katsu is a fun deck to play, just in general. Yeah. Um, You've inspired me to start building Kano, at least just for Blitz. Yeah, Kano, Kano is... I mean, Kano is very dominating in Blitz. There, to, to say he's not is um, is just a joke. Um, but and it's unfortunate that he uh, he, he doesn't necessarily... At least not yet. No one's figured out a good way to uh, 
to to make him shine in CC. But uh, I think there was at like at Vegas there was um I think there was a Kano that did really well. I don't know how I don't remember how far along he got, but uh, he made it to day two. I think I heard. Yeah, I remember people like posting like, "Oh my god, I hope he makes top eight. So he was he was he got pretty close. I'm sure there's either somebody's got something figured out that they're sitting on, or at some point it's close. You know what I'm excited for? This next supplemental set that LSS has revealed. I think they said that there was going to be a card for every hero. Yeah, it sounds like the new supplemental set is going to be huge. Yeah, um, I can't wait. Thanks. What spoiler? I expect we're going to get a spoiler starting at Orlando. Um, in the cast, um, I know the cool. online. You can actually go look on uh, Fab TCG and uh, in product releases, they've hinted that we're getting like when we're supposed to get new stuff that we don't know when exactly. But I think, I think the next set's supposed to come in Q one of twenty twenty two. Is what I saw. Exactly that. Yep. Let me reference that quickly. So I, I think if we do get, I mean, either it is, it is quite possible that with spoilers that it'll be really a really slow drawn out spoiler season if this set's going to be as uh huge as it is um just gradually leaking um yeah there it is q1 2022 just gradually leaking um cards for each hero until kind of we have a good idea what the pool is going to look like but um it's going to be i think yeah the next supplemental set's what going to be what really shakes up the meta yeah like when we got monarch when we got um tails that that brought new heroes, brought new things into the meta. It's I, I guess you weren't around for a pre-Monarch meta, Andrew, but uh, um, that one was really eye-opening because that's when we got be- like we blood debt, we got the ability to play out a, or we got souls and um, the talent system, and it it changed certain elements of the game. Um, but at the same time, like it it didn't invalidate anything pre pre um, Monarch and Tales like. Like we saw, Katsu's still very relevant, and uh, Bravo is still so relevant, and Dash is competitive, and um, and I, it, yeah, it's um, it's a good time to be playing Flesh and Blood right now with just like how open the meta is. Yeah, but I'm jealous, man. I wish I could have started closer to day one, experienced every meta, every season. Yeah, I but. I'm so jealous of anybody who got in right at the beginning, who started playing with Welcome to Wraith, and who, yeah. um got to just ex- like deeply explore that format on its own and then like bring along arcane rising on its own and like i, I can only imagine how mind-bending it was to be like okay uh, back in wtr to be like okay i i get how damn like all these mechanics and then arcane damage comes along and now you need your null rune and like that that would have been yeah that would have shaken the meta on its head but then uh and i i think i i've heard some other um some other content creators talk about how when we get uh, the supplementary sets that's when like the game shines at its most and like lss has done a really good job of adding new mechanics but not having them be like completely meta warping or just busted or overpowered no power creep yet and i guess we have gotten very like minute amounts of, of of power creep but for like for the most part um uh, yeah, everything's still valid, and it's yeah. The new, the next set's gonna be really cool to 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 highlight or just to give everybody new toys and do, make everything viable, hopefully, and while not overpowering anything. And yeah, yeah, that'll be really cool. I'm excited. So, Fair. how are you feeling before uh, 
go into our nationals. Are you ready? Are you excited for our Blitz event, CC? How do you feel about drafting? Um, drafting's going to be... I, I, I'm, I'm, I won't lie. I'm nervous for the for the hybrid format um for anybody who um didn't get a chance to tune into uk nats and who kind of isn't super familiar with the format yet we're actually for day one we're doing it starts off with three rounds of constructed then we draft play three rounds of draft and then we finish off with another three rounds of constructed and uh it's um it's very much like to make and i think quote with 96 player for canada at least I, with the u.s it's I think they have 500 and some players on day one or something really? like that. It's huge. I didn't know. But uh, yeah, for Canada, it's uh, 96 going into day one. And then from that, you're playing for top cut to day two. Um, so it's going to like the, the hybrid format's really going to test the metal uh, of players. And um, you're not going to be able to just come in with a, a solid sleeper deck and win into day two. Like if you go, if you go six and three, I don't think that's going to make a cut for day two. I, no, I, I assume I, it's going to be tough to top 24 out of 96 people. I'm not exactly sure how that plays out. I, well, I think the, like the X and ones get in oh, and then sure. I think a couple X and twos get in. So, I mean, if you can go X and two, we're having one year for sure. Your first three rounds are constructed. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to put you in a good position. I'm uh, feeling really confident about constructed right now. It's draft that I'm a little bit more nervous about. Yeah, like even back in Magic, drafting was not a strong suit of my game. That's that and is so fair. Now, only playing this game for around two months. I think I've only drafted like once or twice. I know we've done two drafts for sure. On like we've been trying to get in weekly drafts on mm-hmm. TTS. Um, I mean, with the pandemic, it's so hard to draft in person. Um, but. Yeah, and, and just product for Tales of Aria. Pro- that's the other tough part. Finding, finding, uh, yeah, because we don't have unlimited yet. Uh, so finding first edition product's been tough. But we're, yeah, like I mean, I think, I think the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Where it's going to be really interesting to draft Tales is, it's, uh, it's an interesting format to draft because like you, there, there's no generic cards. So you right away, you're making picks that are going to start to put you into certain classes. Uh, from the little bit we have drafted, I have found that um, trying, obviously trying to stay as open as possible is in the beginning it is to your benefit, but you do want to take that equipment early because it'll dry up otherwise. Well, that's what blows my mind is there's only three heroes in this set. So we have a pod of eight people fighting over three heroes, which is different for me when before like quite a few there's more combos more options more things open yeah yeah and that's where i think the i think the people who are going to do best in that draft are going to be the ones who can read the signals and who can draft their seat yeah um those, that's what i struggle with yeah um and that's where like so if we look back at um there's a really interesting during um uh the the the, mo- the calling in um uh, Auckland, the, that that calling where Matt Rogers won um, the top eight draft. You had Matt Rogers on um, chain. You had uh, Kiki Labad on uh, uh, Levia, and then everybody else I think was on either Bolton or Prism. Now I have, and I unfortunately haven't had a chance to draft Monarch really. Um, I have heard that the pack distribution can be a little interesting with that one. Um, getting just. Uh, weird amounts of light cards or shadow cards and that can kind of skew the signals about who what what heroes open but 
my understanding, like hearing an interview with Matt Rogers, my understanding was he didn't actually know chain was open until he wheeled an ether iron weave. And when that wheeled, that's when he knew no one else was on chain and he was able to just put together this gross chain deck. Yeah. What a clear sign. Yeah. Very clear sign. And I mean, you can, those are things that you can use to your advantage. Like look at, like if you see uh, like a, let's say for example, a honing hood wheel, you know that Ranger's likely open. Yeah. Um, or, yeah, seeing... Well, we all know nobody will wheel a, a Briar card because that seems to be the cool thing to do is to, to force Briar. But well, that arcane damage is so impossible to prevent. And that kind of... I think on the first calling, we had we saw a lot of people just try to come out the gates forcing Briar. Mm-hmm. And as the dust settled and as we see more callings now, like the pie charts for these draft decks are very even. Yeah, like, yeah. We have seen... Um, old time win, yeah. Old time won in uh, in Dallas, and I'm seeing more Lexi decks, more old time. So yeah, back to what Adam said. Like just reading the signals and drafting your seat is just the most important. Like I can force a good Briar deck, but that's not going to work if the three people next to me are also just drafting Briar. Yeah, yeah, because that yeah, because your fusion cards are going to dry up so fast, and your your power cards um, are going to are going to dry up so fast, and. Mm-hmm. You're going to be left with, yeah, you could draft a whole bunch of, uh, oh, what's the card uh, that uh, it's zero cost, non-attack action, pumps your... Bramble Spark? No, not Bramble Spark. Um, it's a, it's an elemental. It's not a class card. Um, God, I can't remember now. Um, gives your next card that you fuse plus whatever. Um, anyway, it's... It, the Lightning Surge or... I'm I'm drawing a blank now. It's uh, I'll, I'll look for it here quickly while we chat because now it's gonna bother me. Um, <laughs> True. But it, yeah, like yeah, you can draft a whole bunch of cards that they fill the requirements of needing the say for example with Runeblade your healthy balance of attack and non-attack actions, but they just they they don't the payoff won't be there. Yeah, and, I, I'd want to be in Briar to deal as much arcane damage per turn as possible. Or play my non-attack and attack and play my sword to get the two arcane damage in. Yeah. And if everyone beside you is just picking those good arcane cards, the the good non-attack actions to get those embodiment tokens. The Bramble and, Sparks, the Arcanic yeah, Shock Waves. Yeah, my the, Briar deck is not going to be that no. good. No, and, and then on top of that, if you run into like a, a, a good Oldheim and they block effectively, because that, that's the Oldheim is probably the best strategy for stopping arcane at this point. Yeah. Um, like with his discard ability, his defense reaction discard ability, if you time it right, you can actually each turn stop the two arcane off of Rosetta Thorn. And I think that was part of the strategy that really got Namvo, for example, all the way to the well to the championship of the Dallas Calling. Yeah, in an interview, I think he said that he stopped like twelve arcane damage that day just yeah. with Oldheim's defense reaction, which is nutty. Like yeah. uh, with how hard, like what the only arcane barrier in that set is, is hard. It's a legendary. Yeah. yeah, so no one's gonna have it. One in forty packs. Yeah, like you know, yeah, yes, at a at a calling sized event, at least one person might have a heart of ice. But if we go and look at the deck list, I don't think actually any like the. I mean, the guys who made the top cut were running those. Um, no, most of the people that when I was tuning in the top eight, they just had two pieces of equipment. Yeah. Just the common ones. It's a lot of Marka Lightnings. So that's a good card. Yeah, that one's a good one for, for uh, I mean, that one's great for good Lexi. For anyone, and, especially Lexi or well, Briar. Well, I mean, it, I guess you can only be ran in Lexi or, or Briar, but um, for uh, getting that embodiment of Earth or for maybe pushing a... 
a frostbite token or something that will disrupt your opponent yep. or give you an advantage like that it can really make the difference cheese, cheese that last life point in exactly nothing yeah about it yeah exactly yeah. um but i mean yeah the with the hybrid format um it's gonna be it's like i said it's gonna really separate um the one-dimensional players from those who have a good well-rounded game um and i, I i'm certain all the the top players who are say showing up for canada um are gonna you know they've been along with testing their cc stuff they've been practicing their drafts um i know a lot of people have been using tts as a as a way to to kind of simulate drafts um yeah tabletop simulator for you yeah. guys who don't know yeah uh and yeah, i just gotta draft my seat and see what's open and hope to get lucky and you know if not whatever it's gonna be a super fun time anyways and yeah there's the uh the event on sunday the pro quest that i can just play in if, yeah if and that's, scrub out that's a nice thing is that yeah, we've got the, the the pro quest to fall back on which i believe is tales of aria sealed, sealed. is what i saw yeah, so that'll once, be fun yeah yeah good that'll prizes be good and for that too yeah and uh i mean to go back to um the the draft there um i had a point i lost it that's fine sealed on sunday uh what's let's say hypothetically you don't make because obviously the the goal is to make it to day two in the main event uh, in in the nationals but um and that means taking care of yourself going to bed early saturday (laughs) night like being prepared being well hydrated yeah if we all scrub out then it's also just more fun you get to stay up late that night go over dinner like well i mean like the the pro i I mean going back to vegas like i think the pro quest actually started earlier than the day two main event did yeah but i mean if i scrub out of the main event then i i don't care i'm just gonna have more fun and whatever happens and sealed happens that's fair but yeah um i think we and uh, going into yeah going into our nats like we have uh thankfully we have orlando coming up beforehand so i orlando is going to be where we i mean everybody obviously had their eye on uh, the uk and was curious to see what would come out of the uk but i i know personally i'm not super surprised um with the i mean that was kind of seeing briar briar bravo um those are those are chunks of the meta share I was expecting, um, but with the amount of people going to Orlando, because I like I said I think it's five hundred and some players that are qualified for Nats. Um, I assume most of those players are going to show up. Um, if there's going to be any innovation, if there's going to be anything that's going to catch the meta off guard, I think that's where we're going to see it. And that's not to say that Americans are better at this game than anybody else is. Uh, because I actually, if anything, um, it's the the guys in New Zealand who uh, seem to have this. They've got something figured out. They've got something figured. Out. And I, I think it just comes back to them. I think Americans. The sorry to cut you off, Adam. Oh, yeah, I think okay. Americans have played in paper for a lot longer than they have in the UK as well, too. I've heard some stories about them being like pretty locked down over yeah. the pandemic and not yeah. getting a chance to play in paper as much. I know, and I know, like some of the some of the online. Um, or some of the stores were running online events for the UK. Um, and actually, because back when we were playing online here in Canada, uh, as much as we were, I remember playing at some of those UK events, just trying to get into any event I could. And uh, there were definitely there definitely are some really good um, guys in the UK. Uh, but it's just, I, I think that the sample size, like 96 players or whatever, versus 
500 plus, there's just more minds at work. And oh, yeah. somebody's just going to stumble upon something that nobody else thought of. Or I'd love to see like a spicy Kano deck top eight. Or oh, that'd be so good. Have some Levy or Reiner come in and just and take I mean, everyone by surprise. I do think Reiner, Re- Levia, I think everyone uh, underestimates. Um, she's definitely a balancing act, but. I'm certain at some point Levia is going to take the meta by storm. Just I ha- I don't know what it's going to be yet. I don't know when it's yeah, going to be. Maybe just one more card from the new supplemental set. Mm, yeah. All of my matches against Levia are like very scary. Like they're yeah. just one banish away from taking over the game. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, Levia's. She's a a potent hero, and it's it's just a matter of time until somebody. I don't want to say breaks her, but does something that catches everybody off guard. And yeah, same thing with Reiner. Like, Reiner is a. a I know when Reiner, when the game first rolled out, uh, Reiner was kind of viewed as this, like, oh, who plays Reiner? But um, since then, like, there's been some formidable Reiner players. And, uh, like, I remember during the RTN season, there was a Reiner who took down an RTN, and, like, yeah, I, I I definitely think Reiner is is one to keep an eye on for sure. Um, that that yeah yeah that can be scary for sure. Very scary. Um, we we got our nationals coming up. We're flying out on Thursday, November eleventh, Remembrance Day. Yeah, have a chill Thursday evening. We get some food. Friday, we're going to have that Battle Hearts Hardened. event. Yeah, which I actually I didn't um, have a look at. Uh, I completely slipped my mind. I didn't even realize that the UK Battle Hardened was being streamed. Uh, I just stum- I missed it stum- Time zone, it was pretty different for us. Yeah. have to stay up real late. Yeah, or, well, I mean, for day one of UK, I... So I, for those of you who don't know, I work shift work, and uh, um, so I was on a night shift when... Um, the UK Nats started and rather than go to bed when I got home I just stayed up watched the whole first day but yeah for yeah. a lot of guys in our time zone uh, they they would have been sleeping throughout most of it yeah I'm like, just a degenerate I'm just up playing video games <laughs> <laughs> chatting with Adam yeah so yeah so I missed the battle hardened results I'll have to go back and look at that um, mind you the battle hardens just bragging rights anyway um, it's a fun time um, I'm looking forward to our battle hardened for sure yeah um, wasn't there a foil Arcanite Skullcap? Gold That's foil Arcanite Skullcap or something? That's for the ProQuest. Yeah, so um, the gold foils, the coveted gold foils uh, that you can only get for winning events, uh, I think top eight at regular Nats gets a gold foil with uh, the gold foil tunic going to uh, first place of Nats. And then, um, yeah, for the ProQuest, uh, the second chance, uh, I guess... For those who don't make day two, uh, that's where you can then get your uh, gold foil skull cap, and that thing's uh, that thing's pretty spicy as well. There's uh, not many out there in circulation right now. I think we've only had a couple, three, four. Actually, I don't know the number on how many. To my knowledge, there's been three pro quests that have occurred now. No, four. Uh, so if there were any that happened prior to during uh, the infant infancy of flesh and blood. Um, that is, uh, I'm unaware. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, uh, Nats is, uh, it's an exciting time. Um, I think one thing that's going to be really interesting, because the game's so young, um, one thing to be mindful of, and it, 
this was interesting. I observed, uh, well, UK Nats, um, very polarizing to see uh, some people's uh, view, like opinions and views on uh, on uh, some of the the level of play in the UK Nats. Um, well, if there's one takeaway yeah. from me watching the UK Nationals on stream, especially some of the earlier rounds, like on day one, is just don't be afraid to call a judge, guys. Yeah. There was multiple instances of cards just being used in the wrong timing or incorrectly, or triggers being missed, and that's all okay. Like I said, I don't think they've played much paper in the last amount of time recently, but as someone coming from Magic, like calling a judge shouldn't be like a scary, you're in trouble type of thing. Yeah. You should feel free and safe to just call a judge whenever something goes wrong, because that's what they're there for. They'll come over and fix the game state for you guys, and hand out warnings where necessary, and make sure everything's running smoothly and stuff. And yeah. that way the game, you know, nobody... It feels really bad to go home at the end of the day and be like, oh man, I lost because like I forgot one of my triggers, or I, I didn't do something correctly, or I forgot some sort of token or something, and maybe a judge could have came over and fixed that for yourself, or rewinded things. Yep. Yeah, and it's yeah with with Flesh and Blood still being as new of a game as it is, um, there's a lot of I know people are are still kind of figuring out the timing on things. There's still a lot of questions that are being answered. People are figuring out how mechanics work, and um, it's yeah to to Andrew's point, it's it's okay to read your opponent's card. It's okay to. Um, to call a judge. Uh, in fact, if you uh, go and read the comprehensive rules, it actually emphasizes that it is uh, it, it's on both players to uh, maintain uh, maintain the board state. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, you're, there's a trigger on a card that you play that is supposed to interact with your opponent's hand or something. It's okay to say to remind your opponent of that or to call a judge over. Um, I mean, you never want to be a shark, um, and I, in, in, in fact, Flesh and Blood discourages uh, rule sharking, um, but yeah, no, to, to have a fair game to um, resolve effects the right way, like, don't be afraid to do things the right way. Um, and don't be afraid to call a judge on yourself. Like, accidents happen all the time, especially oh, totally. if you're playing on camera, like, early morning, you've just traveled, you've got some nerves and some shakes. Like, people draw extra cards by accident all the time, they drop their cards on the floor, and this game, like, the order of your deck matters as you're pitching and stuff. Like, don't just try to fix this yourself. Just call a judge over and let them know what happened. Yeah. You know, you saw an extra card, you draw too many cards, you dropped some stuff, you told your opponent the wrong damage coming out or something. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, you're not, yeah, yeah. not going to be, like, in trouble and no. judged for calling a judge. Yeah, and in, in fact, I think like that's, that's a huge testament of character. Like being able to, obviously, holding other people accountable is uh, is something that we should be doing. Uh, but I I think holding ourselves accountable is something that's even more important. Um, that uh, that sets the tone for the the game. It sets the tone for the community. Um, it, it enforces that we're we as players aren't going to allow um, shoddy sportsmanship or anything like that. Uh, so yeah, no, t doing things the right way, but having fun first and foremost, because this is a game and we're all here to, to have fun and because we love this game and we want to play together. But yeah, um, utilize the judges, uh, utilize the resources that you have and um, 
yeah, I, I agree to Andrew's point. That's that's probably the biggest takeaway from UK Nats. Um, yeah, go in knowing as many cards and what they do as you can, making sure things are happening at the right time under the right conditions. There's a lot of cards that say, like, you're not allowed to do something until something else has happened first. Yeah. So making sure those things are clear and communicated. And and especially given that it's a, a professional level event. Like, I mean, and I think this is important to emphasize as well because there is casual flesh and blood and there's competitive flesh and blood and like if you're playing on your kitchen table you want to take a playback yeah, that's I'm fine you, i'm letting you take things that's, back that's all day totally fine but you but at nationals i can't no and that's and that is completely fair and i think that that goes back to the 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 doing things the right way and not being afraid to to say no you 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 know call a judge over because your opponent wants to take a playback like don't be afraid at, at a professional level to to enforce that because that's everybody who's turning up for a professional event should know what they're in for um yeah yeah there's always that friend at the end of an event who's telling you on the way home like oh man i let this guy take things back like twice and then he wouldn't let me take something back yeah and, and in it's fact, like that feels bad i'm sorry that happened but, in fact but it's I had nationals that, i had that happen to me at the calling vegas and uh, that was a very it was like a oh okay it's an important lesson to learn yeah. and you yeah. probably will never make that mistake again and no. you'll you'll play whatever in the right order but that's part of like to win nationals you need to show up and you need to not make a mistake you need to play everything in the right order and not want to take anything back because you're just playing so solidly yeah and yeah, you exactly. won't be in that situation and especially going into once again it's the hybrid format you know and when you're playing cc and you've got the 40 card the 40 health life buffer there's room for mistakes but um during the the limited portion when we're playing um high level limited you've only got 20 health tales of aria's such a, a tempo-based format and such an explosive format that, um, yeah, m- making that mistake and you know your your opponent makes that mistake and you let them take it back, like and it's not to say that uh, taking you want to take advantage of your opponent because you know you want a fair game and you want sportsmanship. Um, I think those are things to uh, that we should uphold in our community uh, above all else. But if you're you know. Th- we are all, you know, we're, we're, we are all here to win at a professional level and you, you also got to look for those opportunities. Um, yeah. yeah, for me, it's about looking at myself, like through, through my whole life out of all of these strategy games that I play, sometimes you get to a level where you're very evenly matched with your opponent. So you're just playing out this entire game and it's usually like the first person to mistake, make a mistake that loses the game. Yeah. So it's just about like me taking my time, thinking through my plays showing up to these events and trying to not make a mistake through the entire day. And that's how you end up being successful at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah just keeping your head down, um, playing, playing to the best of your ability. Um, obviously you need a little bit of luck as well. Um, oh yeah. Definitely a card game. There's still some RNG. Yeah. But if you can show up to an event and not make a mistake and you still just like lose the whole day, I think you can still go home proud. And once in a magic tournament, I was talking to, a pretty big established pro and I was I was young I was asking him like if he had any advice on like how to make it how to how to win things and he said something along the lines of like you're already here and you already know how good you are as a player so all you have to do is just keep traveling to these events just keep showing up and you just play the whole day without making a mistake and eventually the stars will align and things will go your way and you'll end up winning 
Yeah. Yeah, that's, and I've heard, actually, I've heard that from a, in different ways from a few different sources. They, they kind of all say the same thing. You need a, a lot of skill, a lot of practice, and, and a bit of luck, too. Um, so. Yeah, then you just show up. You just put yourself in that situation. Yeah, yeah, just set yourself up for success, and hopefully the rest will follow. Well, I think that brings us to the end of uh, episode one of uh, the Combat Chain podcast. Uh, if you uh, feel free to uh, like, uh, subscribe to our YouTube, uh, we'll link the rest of our social down below. Uh, definitely uh, any questions, comments, uh, questions we can address in future episodes, uh, feel free to send them along. Uh, either we'll, uh, yeah, like I said, Social will be linked below, um, email, comments, any great way. Those are great ways to get in touch with us. We're definitely going to be making some content yeah. as we travel to yeah. nationals. Keep yeah. you guys updated on what we do, how we do, how it goes. Yeah. We'll get there safely. Not going to... We, I mean, we've, obviously we're doing our testing. We've got some things we've, uh, we're, we're thinking of behind the scenes and um, yeah. don't want to give away too much yet. Um, certainly going to be making some gameplay videos. Yeah, 100%. So we'll, uh, hopefully over the next little bit, it'll be a steady stream of content for you guys. True. Um, Until next time, guys, we're closing the combat chain.